Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by investing in real estate so you never, ever have to work a job again. Today, I'm bringing on a friend of mine who actually teaches how we can make money, three times our money, in a rental property that is doing midterm, not short-term like Airbnb, not long-term like one-year leases, but midterm properties. You're not going to want to miss this, and he's going to show us every step of the way to do this. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, welcome back to the show, guys. I hope you had a great Christmas. And usually I don't talk about things that are going on because I have no idea when you're actually going to be listening to this. You might be listening in July. But we just had Christmas, and I know a lot of people listen to the show every single week. But I want to say, and I hope you guys had a fantastic Christmas. I know I did. My family got me so much chocolate. I mean, if you think about anything that I might want, I always tell them that, you know, I love chocolate in general. But they gave me this huge Hershey bar. It's literally two feet long by a foot tall. I mean, it's gargantuan. It's a Hershey bar. And I got lots of M&Ms. I, I, I feels like I'm gonna get diabetes <laughs> eating all this, but I love chocolate. So that's what my family got me. It was a fantastic time uh, through Christmas, hanging out with families and everything. Now on to the new year, which is gonna be amazing. I always look at this time as a way to reflect on what I've done but then at the same time, look forward to the future because I always look at the next year being even better or not just look at it, but try to make the next year better than the previous year. So right now, this is 2021. 2022 is coming and 2022 is going to be a fantastic year for me and my real estate investing. And I want you as well to have that perspective. Right about now, we should be looking back and see what we did and then looking forward to seeing what we can do. And also in looking forward, I actually am bringing on a friend of mine. He is a fantastic real estate investor. He has his own podcast teaching how to do investing, and he's actually works more on mindset. And he's gonna show us something called mid-term or mid-length rental properties. And I am super pumped. In fact, I'm gonna start doing this with a lot of my properties because you can make a lot more money. And on top of this, he is gonna be a featured speaker at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is coming in March of 2022. Definitely check the description. Go to rewbcon.com, rubcon.com, and he's gonna be speaking there. And also, I wanna tell you right now, the price is going up. This is the early bird price right now. If you go to get your tickets right now, like literally right now, this is the lowest price it's gonna be. And on January 1st, the price is gonna go up $50. So I want you to get that price, the ticket right now, at the lowest price possible. And I'm gonna give you a fantastic discount to get $50 off because you're a part of my community. This is all about us and our community and having a meetup where we can all hang out. Use my promo code. It's basically my name, use Dustin as a promo code and you will get $50 off. I even have the lowest price right now with Early Bird and I'm gonna give you $50 off right now. So go to rubecon.com and use that promo code 
And if you get the VIP pass, we're literally going to be hanging out. Like you're going to be hanging out with me and all the other influencers, the real estate investors. It's going to be fantastic to get together and hang out. So make sure you get your ticket before January 1st, before the price goes up. I want to get you there and I want to hang out with you and show you how you can invest, how we can build a community, making investing better and always get my real estate investing course. Text the word rental. R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll give you my real estate investing course absolutely for free. I'll show you how to find an area of the country to invest anywhere in the country, how to build the business, how to make sure you're doing it right, how to make sure that you're not going to actually do it wrong, but you're going to be making money instead of losing money and scale the business to quit your job. So get that right away. All right, let's jump into today's show where I interview the expert who has his own podcast called Ready Investor One Podcast. He is a fantastic coach as well. Let's jump into today's show where I interview Paul Thompson, who's going to show us how we can invest in midterm rental properties. All right, let's do this. Hey, Paul, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a good time. And so we've known each other for a little while. We both have, we basically quit our jobs by investing in real estate. And then at the same time, we thought, you know what we could do? We have plenty of time. We could help other people. And so we both have podcasts. We both have our sites and we coach and all that sort of stuff. And so it's terrific getting to know other people doing the same thing because as I built my business in real estate, I did it all myself. And then it was so hard. It was irritating. I was lonely. But now building up the online business has just been so much better because when you're working with other great people like you, Paul, just the ideas flow and just networking and just really getting a community around you is such a big, big thing for me. So how about you? Like in your business, when you see a community, when you see like bringing people together, has that helped you in not just real estate, but also online business or both? It's definitely helped in both. And that wasn't necessarily the original plan for me when I got into real estate. I was just trying to create a way out of having to work an unfulfilling job. I just started doing real estate that that ended up being my vehicle. But then the kind of unintended consequence of that is that I didn't have a community. I, I, I worked at home all day, right? Um, and it's kind of a lonely business when you're running rental properties all by yourself and out there looking for deals all by yourself. And it's really nice to find people who think and act and have interests similar to yours. And that's why I started going to conferences. And really, a lot of the conferences I went to, I had no specific agenda. Like, it was like there was this one thing I wanted to learn. I just thought I would randomly bump into neat people. And that would just happen to be the case. And you get to know people who are actively running podcasts or YouTube channels and uh, creating these businesses, sometimes in multiple businesses, and then all the people that they attract around them, then you have this like, kind of overlapping Venn diagrams of all these communities and you just meet some of the most interesting, hardworking people. Yeah, absolutely. And talk about, I mean, think about hardworking when you're investing in real estate, because that's something that you and I both love to do is investing in real estate. And when you're doing it alone, it's really, really rough. But tell me about how you were working a regular job and then started investing in real estate. Like what got you into it? And then what really catapulted you into now becoming successful and employee, you know, not working for somebody else because of the really like, tell us about the beginning of Paul David Thompson. Right. So when I was working the corporate job, I was probably at the time making about $150,000 and I was in corporate America, um, lived in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is a fairly low cost of living area. So lifestyle was pretty good. I had an extra income, but if I stopped going to work, then, you know, I, they stopped paying me and I wanted to be able to 
do something else with my time that allowed me to not have to go to job, go to a work, go to job, check in and do things and not have to ask permission to go on vacation. I really hated that. And so I just switched the, the script. And now I ask my family if I can go do work stuff. Like if I want to go to a conference or I want to do something, I check in with my, my family first. And I still do a lot of things and I still, I still work hard. Right. But it's on my terms. And when I first started looking for an alternative, I didn't really know what the answer was. I, I looked at a lot of options and I couldn't find anything other than real estate that allowed me to kind of just ease my way into it. I could buy a property and just see if I liked it. And once I did that, I thought, okay, I, I can see this working. And uh, you know, all the the theories that you hear about on bigger pockets and other places started to work. They actually paid off the way they were, you know, the way I read about them. And so I'll buy some more. And before long, you just buy enough properties where that income is enough to cover your basic financial needs, right? You're probably not flying around in private jets, but it's covering your basic living expenses, which then allows you to buy your time back. And then you can do interesting things with your time. I love that you started, I wouldn't say you started small, but you did one, one property at a time and you saw the ultimate goal like my goal was literally, I didn't, I got tired of working for somebody else. Just like you said, now it's such a blessing that I asked my family, is it okay if I go work today? <laughs> and other than that, we're basically hanging out with our family. And so, okay. So you, are you investing in Little Rock, Arkansas? Are you investing all over the country? Like how is, what's your business model? Is it short-term rental property, long-term, mid-term, like we briefly uh, mentioned? The foundation of my business is finding discounted single family properties. And that's through all the kind of traditional marketing cycles that people hear about, you know, cold calling and texting and uh, sending mailers and, you know, SEO and pay-per-click. So you find leads that way. And then you take these things down and either you flip them or maybe you wholesale a contract or maybe you keep the rental. So I hold about 40 rentals and that's in central Arkansas, Little Rock, where I am. And then I also flip properties because it's just a way to earn extra income. You come across a deal, the cash flow doesn't work out, but it's a good flip opportunity. Why, why not flip it? Right. And then I'm looking at other avenues of making the portfolio work harder for you. So I, I decided that going into Airbnb and short-term rentals didn't fit my personality. I'm not a very good property manager of my long-term rentals. So I have property management for that. Right. So I, I'm, I'm much better at going out and like finding, finding the kill, but like taking it down and stripping it down. I'm not, I don't want to do all that. That's way too much work. What I do instead is I have property management for my existing rentals, but then I wanted to take a couple of those properties and really juice the returns on those. And I didn't want to run an Airbnb. And I kind of came across this idea of corporate rentals for say like traveling nurses is the most obvious um, scenario. And I call that midterm rentals. And it is an experiment that I'm doing right now. So I will not tell you that I am in any, in any, by any means an expert in it, but I'm taking now two of my properties in my current portfolio with the third and fourth one on the way that I'm going to convert to what I call midterm rentals. So you furnish them like you would an Airbnb, but then you rent them on a, at least a monthly basis. And the advantage of that is that you don't, you basically fall outside of the purview of most jurisdictions rules around Airbnb. You have a lease, it just renews monthly. And it's usually around about a three month uh, stay because a lot of these traveling nurses have 13 week contracts. And the returns, the, the revenue is about, depending on you know, the market and, and the neighborhood, one and a half to as high as three times what you would get for a, a short term rental. So round numbers, if you're renting a property for 
three thousand or for a thousand dollars, you could get as high as three thousand dollars in revenue. You know, it may only be twenty two hundred, but still, it's way more than what you would get. And this is like raw cash flow extra. Like your expenses are a little bit higher because you're covering for lawn maintenance and utilities and like the internet. But they call that four hundred dollars. Just to be generous, call four hundred bucks, and you're making another thousand dollars. You're adding six hundred dollars in addition to the additional revenue or the cash flow that you would on the property at a thousand bucks. That sounds. Fantastic. I mean, when you think about it, there's a little hesitation for a lot of people to get into Airbnb because they realize, well, what somebody comes and parties in your house and destroys it and all that sort of stuff. And Airbnb, they try to do their best with insurance and all that stuff, but good luck getting them pay. They probably will, but it's just, that's that goes through their mind. And at the same time, people really like the idea, I know I do, of getting a terrific return from short-term rental property. Yeah, so when you're renting it out on a yearly basis, you know, sign a lease for a year, you're going to rent it for maybe, let's say $1,000, $1,500, maybe somewhere around there. You're going to get your numbers. But if you're renting out per day, like this is why hotels make so much stinking money is they're renting out the rooms per day, flipping it over, getting somebody else in there. So you're getting paid a lot more. So one house, like you said, $1,000 for a month, you probably get 3000 or more. Now, when it comes to a midterm, this is something that's relatively new in most people's eyes, because they think of long-term and short-term now, because short-term Airbnb made it really popular. How do we make sure that we can get clientele, basically get people in there to sign a contract to stay in there for, say, let's say a month, six months, or whatever the short-term, or sorry, the mid-term length is, because that's like, you can't, do you just put it on like the MLS, hey, long or mid-term rental property? Like, it just seems a little bigger nuance to do. It is more nuanced, but uh, you can still use Airbnb to market it. Or you can use another website called furnishedfinders.com or furnishedfinder.com. Furnishedfinders.com. Finder okay. without an S on the end. Uh, com. And it is specifically tailored to the traveling nurse community, which is a uh, huge de- growing market even before COVID. With COVID, it has skyrocketed. Yeah. So if you look at the kind of the market dynamics that's happening there and the demand it, in many jurisdiction, or not jurisdiction, but, but MSAs, met, metro areas, me, most metro areas that have an existing hospital system that people would go to travel to, there is a huge, huge demand for medical staff, nurses, doctors, you know, anesthetists, whatever. Just, you know, these are not jobs that can, uh, that these hospitals can afford to not have. Like they, I mean, they have to have coverage, right? It's just not, it's just, there's no option. So they're willing to pay premiums. So these contracts now are sometimes as much as three times what a nurse would normally make, right? Plus a stipend, plus um, a housing allowance. So they're paying them extremely well. And there's a really interesting dynamic going on in that space as to why that's happening. And that's probably way deeper than we want to get into now. That'd be a different podcast. But the idea of if you believe that the demand is there, you do your own research and it makes sense in your market, it might be an interesting a situation to do an experiment with one of your units that you think would fit if you have existing rental properties. And there is additional work by you have to furnish it on the front end, which me and my wife are in the, in the throes of doing right now. And then o- over time, I'll be able to report back on how hard it really is to manage these things. But from people who are in the space that tell me it's way less than Airbnb or short term, but it's just a little bit more than long term. 
because you're turning somebody over every three to 12 months. It probably averages to like three, three to four months. So for everybody listening to this, Paul is going to be speaker at the conference, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference on this topic. So we're going to dive into more right now, but I definitely want to tell you, I want you to learn more. Go to the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference website, rewbcon.com, rebcon, or I'm calling it rubcon.com. Check the link in the description, but he's going to be there and teaching even more. So all these questions that I'm going to ask right now coming up on how to do this, he's going to dive in so much more inside the conference. So, uh, Paul, as I'm looking at, we have traveling nurses. That is a fantastic way. But is there another market? I was thinking, because I met somebody, um, he does corporate uh, uh, housing. So let's say a CEO needs to go stay in an area for two months. They're not going to want to stay in a hotel for two months. They're going to be put up in a, in a house that is, you're going to be paying a lot more, like something uh, corporate or marketing or something like that. Is that also something that we can pr- potentially tap into? Yeah, the, uh, there could be military, it could be corporate travel. Uh, there's a, a lot of needs for short-term housing that, and they don't want to pay you know, overnight short-term rates. So your competition here is the extended stay hotels. And in case you've ever stayed in any one of those, they're they're not that that nice. They're they're usually not. No, they're not. As, they're horrible. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> nicest ones are not as nice, or just as nice, but usually not as nice as the typical you know one, one short stay hotel that you stay in. Like they they just they're they're beat up. They're they're used a lot, and people stay there for um, you know months at a time, and they're just not a place that you want. You really feel cozy and at home and someplace you really want to kind of stretch out and be for a while. So what we're doing is we're offering an alternative to that. And the a very common scenario is that you get relocated. So a, a reload scenario is very common. So you're a corporate professional and you get you have a good paying job and you're a director or CEO or VP or whatever, and you get relocated to another market. Well, you don't want to go and buy a house right away because you don't know the city yet, right? And you, it's a new job perhaps. You just want to like a temporary place to stay that is comfortable that isn't a hotel. That's a huge demand marketplace. I don't have the numbers for like even for my own city, what the demand is as compared to the traveling nurses. The corporate reloc situations do pay more, though, than the nurses. The nurses typically are, are budget conscious, and the corporate relocation packages are, typically are not as, as budget conscious. Yeah, definitely, especially when it's a, let's say it's a high-profile CEO. They're not going to want to stay inside of a hotel or an extended stay. Like I said, I've been in one. I actually went in one. I was like, this is horrible. I'm leaving. I literally took my family out and said, well, cancel our reservation. This place is bad. And we were only going to stay there for like maybe three days, four days. And it was bad, so I left. Now, a CEO that actually makes a good amount of money that has a company that's going to put them up for a little while, they're going to say, you know what? I want to stay in a house. I want to feel comfortable. I don't want somebody on the next door to me. And so is there is it that same website or is there another way? Like, Are there companies that we could reach out to and say, hey, put me on your list as a corporate house for anybody, any of your corporate people? So a lot of people who that I understand who do this at scale and have several units in one market, uh, they, they get a lot of referrals. And so what they do is they end up standing up their own website. And so it becomes like a vacation rental. You, you go to Florida, you have all these vacation rental locations. You can go to, you know, pick your, your city, like mine, Little Rock, which is not necessarily a destination, but the demand is high. And you, and you get these, uh, like I, I know at least one lady here in town who she has 10 of these in Little Rock. And, and, and you look at a place like Furnish Finders, which is pretty much all they do, um, you can see 
all these listings out there and you're kind of surprised that there's this much demand for this particular uh, kind of midterm service. And that's not even counting the ones that are doing the one-off website that have just done it for a while and they've been referring and they get all their business now from referrals. So one strategy is to go to LinkedIn jobs and use LinkedIn as a way to find the person at a given company who is headquartered in, in, in your city or has a major presence in your city and says, if you need reload, we have housing. And typically that probably works better if you have more than just one or two units. If you have five, 10 units, that might be a better uh, strategy because you actually have an inventory to offer them. But then you can also get together with the other midterm rental owners in your area and kind of create a, a loosely formed co-op and potentially just, this is something we're talking about and I haven't done it yet, but why not form this one website that has 40 units of three, four, five, 10 owners, because you will run out of options based on demand. So if you have four houses, you're not going to be able to have a vacancy all the time that you're going to offer somebody up to somebody. There's going to be demand and someone comes to you and is like, well, I don't have any, but in this co-op of mine, I have them. And you get a lot of repeat business here. And once you get these good, positive um, experiences, then people leave reviews on your website, Airbnb, uh, Furnish Finder. You end up finding the best of the of the market that comes to you, and then you get repeat uh, visits from either the same traveling nurses, or you get repeat visits from the people who make the decisions that, of sh- sharing the listings with people who are coming in town. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely leaning much more. I love long term rental properties. I mean. I that's steady income. I know it's going to be coming in. I've had tenants literally stay in there for like 10 years and it's just, they're paying my mortgage. I mean, it's just fantastic. But at the same time, you're also missing a little bit, I won't say a little bit, but a good amount of potential revenue doing midterm or even short-term now rental properties. Now I have a little bit of a, I, I, I would almost lean away from short-term rental properties. And here's the reason why. So I'm currently living in one of my rental properties. And it's a small house, but we'll eventually buy a bigger house and move out of there. But we moved from California into Arizona, living in our, because the tenants were moving out. Let's say, hey, let's move in there. I got on the HOA, which is the Homeowners Association. I'm the, the, the president of the HOA. And I hear a lot of gripes about even just homeowners next door to every short term, like Airbnb. It's really problematic. You might do your best, but it's really, really bad, especially for your neighbors and the ones across the street. And even just for the value of your home. Now, does it seems like the midterm you're going to get? I wouldn't say a better clientele, but you're going to get a clientele that's going to be staying in there for a long time. They know that, especially if it's military. Like if it's military, you can talk to their commanding officer. Hey, you're, this guy is really just screwed up the place. But it seems like the clientele might be a little more thoughtful in you know taking care of the place, and you're not turning it over all the time. Are those a lot of good benefits that you see as well? Yeah, I think the risk is lower of having the problems with the homeowners association or your neighbors, or just having tenants that don't care as much about your place. Ultimately, the, the funding for the housing is coming from their employer. And if they get information back that this traveling nurse or uh, corporate executive um, or uh, short-term military stay situation is not take care of your house. That's just not going to take care of it. And so um, the anecdotal evidence that I've gotten from people who have done this is that that tends to be the case. It's not that it's risk-free. It's, it, I mean, if you own property, there's risk. So we, we know this and you're just trying to quantify just how much it is. And I, it's way less than short-term rentals, but it's a little bit more than uh, long-term rentals as far as the work, but I think it'd be less risk and it may be the lowest risk of the three scenarios for wear and tear. 
because you're only having somebody living in there for a short amount of time and you get to go and see the, see the property every three months without the headache of turning it over every weekend. Talk to me about managing the property. Now, I love paying my property managers because they do all the work. I literally don't work at all, like 100%. But all my properties, I don't do a thing. I have other people do the work. Talk to me about managing these properties because short term, it's going to be a higher percentage, like 25% uh, property management fees because it's a lot of work, a lot of turnover, getting new people in, all that sort of stuff. How do we manage the property and how much is, would it normally cost? Like, is that something we should do? But if we're in another state, like how do we hire somebody else to do that? What are your thoughts there? So if you're already in the mind of having management in place, like you and I are, that you're not going to manage your own properties and you're going to have a property manager, then it only makes sense that you would have a property manager for this as well. And in this case, for the market for short-term rentals is somewhere, I'm sorry, for, for long-term rentals is somewhere between 8 and 12%, depending where you are. 10% is very common. Uh, for short-term rentals, it's somewhere between 25 and sometimes as high as 35 and 45% for a co-host. Uh, what I'm finding in midterm is that the going rate seems to be about 15 to 25, with 15 being the most common number I've heard. So I've actually reached out to my long-term rental company and ask them, what would, what would you do? Would you be willing to do this kind of rental? Because it's the same thing because you're, you're just looking at tenants. They're signing a lease. They're staying for at least a month. And they said they'd be willing to, um, once they get their systems in place. So they're not ready for me yet, but they said their charge would be 15%. But what they wouldn't do is, is furnish it for you. So you'd have to furnish it, get it ready. And then they would provide ongoing maintenance of the, of this specific, uh, rehabbed type, but they won't do like, if the microwave doesn't work, they're not going to fix the microwave. That, 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 that's on you. Right. So you need to have an appliance repair person. You're going to have to like, you're going to have to have contacts and they'll even call them, but you, you need to provide the, the information and the contacts for the cleaners, for, um, minor, uh, maintenance of things that you wouldn't normally provide to a long-term tenant. Would you possibly call a short-term property manager and ask a them co-host <laughs> that's what i'm doing um so okay. <laughs> um, I, i've hired a co-host to manage mine so I, her agreement was i'm gonna pay her 15 percent to manage the the co basically co-host it for me but then i'm gonna have i'll be the one signing the, the lease and i'll be the one effectively deciding and approving on who comes and goes and doing it in negotiations but she'll take care of everything else so it's it's an interesting, I mean, it really is midterm, right? It's, it's in between long and in between short. It's And, and there are pros and cons to, I think, all of these. Um, with the the more income you make, the more work it is. The less income you make, the less work it is. So it kind of fits, it kind of depends on where you fit in that, in that, that uh, uh, kind of continuum of choices. And I think you and I are in the same boat that we, we are very passive. We don't want to be managers of anything. And I have decided to, only be involved in the furnishing of the property in the first few, just to learn it, to figure out what the market is and kind of what what the right things to buy for the marketplace is. My wife are kind of kind of fussing through that right now, and it's costing us about ten thousand dollars to furnish, fully furnish. I mean, to the forks, um, 
for a three bedroom, two bath, two car garage, fifteen hundred square feet is costing us about ten thousand dollars, and most of that is coming from Amazon. Probably like ninety percent of that of that material is is coming from Amazon. And I have actually a picture on Facebook of my house. It's just full of Amazon um, boxes, and we we got lucky. We ha- happened to be making these decisions right around Black Friday, so we got some. Um, pretty cool kind of, you know, after Thanksgiving deals and Christmas deals, but you know, we're able to buy TV. I mean, we, I have a wall of TVs and, and downstairs, it's just kind of silly. Um, it's the only thing I haven't taken over the house yet because I want to make sure that the, the house is secure before I drop the TVs in there. So it sounds like there's going to be a little bit of work getting it set up, but once you have everything like inventory wise, beds and dressers and food, you know, forks and everything like, like that, it's going to be regular maintenance. Is there any other expenses? You did mention internet uh, let's say cable TV, maybe, uh, uh, you know, lawn. Yeah. So we're, we're doing Roku. Um, so, so a good question. The decision points that I've figured out that you have to make are you have to get utilities on, which, you know, if you like most anywhere that managing that is a nightmare, um, getting the internet service on, whether it's, you know, AT&T or Comcast or whoever is in your area, that's also another visit that you have to deal with. And then that provides the Wi-Fi, And then you have, uh, like maybe a security system, depending on your your preference, and then uh, we were buying TVs with Roku, so that way they can bring their accounts to the Roku, fill you know filter information to the Roku, and then when someone turns over, we'll just have them reset it, and the, that'll be on the tenant's responsibility. We're not taking care of that. We're not part of our lease states that we're not responsible for your logins to the Roku. Roku. Got it. And then lawn lawn maintenance and all that stuff. You you would. Yeah, you'd lawn care. Yeah, or if you're in the yeah. Norse normal, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I so I'm I'm just looking at okay, I'm in Phoenix. If I have my property turning that like hope I got I could maybe set the thermostat to where it doesn't go below like 75 degrees because they could crank it down to 68 when it's 115 outside. It's literally gonna be running all the time. So I think you could. And I I think you would expect that your um your utility costs are gonna be higher than if you live there, right? So you just that's just something you got to bake into the, and that's part of the premium that you're charging. So if you're making, you know, like I think you should charge, be charging at least twice what you would normally get for a long-term rental because you're having to take care of that stuff. Man, absolutely. So are there any pitfalls? I mean, we talked a little bit about it. Have you seen or perceive any pitfalls that we might look into or run into? One of the problems you got to realize, especially with the uh, traveling nurses is you'll get it under, you'll get somebody to, to sign up for you and, and to sign up, not sign a lease, but to like commit to going there. And then their contract gets canceled or they don't accept the contract. Something falls through. I think you just have to kind of accept that there's going to be some risk of that. And that may add a week or two to your vacancy. And addition to that, one of the lessons that a friend of mine who has several of these units in Little Rock has shared with me is that at first he treated the turnovers the same way he treated the turnovers of Airbnbs was it was like slapdash, get in there, clean it, make it right, rent it out just so fast. And he gave himself permission after driving everybody crazy that slow down. Somebody's been in this house for six months. It's going to need some maintenance. It's, it's going to be more than just patching a few a few holes, right? Like there's going to be some wear and tear and you're not going to be able to get that identified and fixed and inspected and paid for in a weekend. So give yourself a week or two to allow the turnover to happen, get the minor fixes identified and fixed and cleaned and then market it again. That's a great idea. Man, I, I am actually much more for 
ever since talking to you about midterm uh, rentals, much more for midterm than short term. Now, short term, you're going to make more money, but at the same time, you have a lot more issues or it's just other things. There's that many people coming and going out of your property. So um, yeah, man, this is this is great. And everybody, like I said, Paul's going to be teaching this at the Real Super Wealth Builders Conference. So definitely check at, that out. Hopefully you can come hang out with us. It's going to be in March of 2022. But um, man, Paul, this is great. Now, I know also you have your own podcast, the Ready Investor One podcast. You already, already also have your site where you're coaching people as well. Talk to us about what you're doing and how you can also help people and how they can you know reach out to you and find you. Okay, so what I'm doing right now is I have a, a podcast called Ready Investor One, and it's going through a bit of a transition. It was originally part; uh, it was tailored towards people who were transitioning from their day job and trying to quit their day job. And as I've attracted that audience, they've started quitting their jobs and starting businesses. And so both my podcast and my business coaching has turned into helping people grow and scale real estate businesses versus just creating them from the beginning or just buying rental properties. And there's a place for that. And I I have a community that that helps people do that. But I personally spend my time now talking about the problems, the opportunities that come up with being a small business owner. And how do you scale? How do you hire VAs? How do you figure out how to attract the best talent? How to deal with your taxes? Because now we're starting to make some money, right? And so we're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm in the highest tax bracket all of a sudden. And and this is a very common problem that small business owners that that, that find success are, are having. And so I have a mastermind in a in a podcast specifically around being a small business owner in real estate and scaling up. Man, that's fantastic. And so they could go to pauldavidthompson.com, correct? Yeah, the best place to find me and learn about um, what what I do and what I offer is at pauldavidthompson.com, kind of the way you would expect those names are spelled. (laughs) Exactly. And also, everybody, you can literally hang out with me and Paul at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. It's all about building community. So if you heard, like we talked about at the very beginning, Paul and I met at a conference and we're like, hey, we're investors. And this conference wasn't necessarily about real estate investing at all. It was like online business. Like, hey, let's just hang out together because we're investors in real estate. And so from there, just a really good friendship. And then we just meet so many other people. So the networking has been fantastic. The community is fantastic. And that's what we're building with the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is really a community. It's us all working together. And we're not like, even though Paul and, and I have audiences that we're bringing people on to, you know, to be there at the conference. No, we're all, we're all just investors. We're all friends. We want to help each other out. So that's what the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference is all about. So like I said, Paul will be there. I'll be there. We'll be hanging out with everybody and just helping. That's the goal of it. Man, Paul, this is awesome. I can't wait to get into midterm rentals. So, hey, I really appreciate you. Is there anything else that we should know before we sign off today? Well, it's the uh, season of um, uh, to think about what is going to uh, you're going to accomplish in the coming year. And I'm never a fan of waiting till January 1st to actually, uh, you know, set goals and whatnot. It's like, n- now's the time. Um, I, I treat December as a, a time to, to figure out what I'm going to quit. And then I kind of recalibrate my life and what, see what kind of experiments I'm going to run. So, um, I hope you take some inspiration and maybe consider, um, a way of growing your portfolio and maybe taking the existing portfolio that you have and optimizing it versus having to go and buy more properties. Love it. I think it's fantastic. Man, Paul, so much great stuff. I really appreciate it. Everybody check out Paul, pauldavidhobson.com and the Ready Investor One podcast. So thanks so much again, brother. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me.
And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching. Get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya. See ya.